have something I need to to, to kind of get through before we start this morning because I I don't want it to be a a hindrance or a or a stumbling block for you as I um, deliver God's word to you this morning. Um, <clears throat> Jamie Stennett normally cuts my hair, and just due to scheduling and and all of that. Um, I wasn't able to get with her the last couple of weeks, and it got to the point that I was using a lot more shampoo than everybody else, and so anyway, I had to go somewhere else yesterday, and it it happened to be the same place that, that, that Andrew goes to um, get his hair cut, and, and I told him I was one of the pastors at, at Corinth Baptist, and I think he thought I was Andrew, <laughs> so if you see the resemblance what you're normally used to looking at on Sunday mornings, so this was not an attempt to be Andrew, I promise, it was not, so anyway, um, Jamie, you know what you got to work with now next time, so how long do I need to let this go before we can, huh, she said six weeks, okay, so I get to go through that again, so anyway, all right, well, you call me this time, so I don't forget to call you, so, but um, anyway. Well, God has something to say to us today, amen? Um, So let's pray and let's let him do it. Father, we thank you so much. Um, Father, just for being in your presence today. Father, we thank you for what you're, you're doing in the lives of people throughout this, this world that you created. But, but Father, we get to see personally the things that you're doing here. And I just, Father, I rejoice with, with everyone here and, and what you did last week through these youth. And yes, we've got, we've got nine new brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and that's amazing. That's awesome, Father. We thank you for calling them to yourself and for saving them. But, Father, ultimately, we thank you for what you did in all of them. Counselors, Father, those... Adults who went from this church, Father, we just um, we thank you for opportunities to just get away and just be with you. And Father, we again we we thank you for what you're going to do in the lives of these children this week, and in those who will lead them. And we pray with thanksgiving right now knowing that you will do it. But, Father, right now we are here, we are in this place, and, and we have your word before us. And, Father, we know that, that you want to do a work in our lives. Father, for some people here today, this, this, this may be the first time that they've actually heard from you. And I pray, Father, that today that you would do a work that... That, that you would save those in our midst today. That you would make it clear that they need to make a commitment to surrender their lives to you. And Father, again, for the rest of us, your word promises us that, that once you begin that work in us, that you will bring it to completion. Now, Father, we admit that sometimes that's easier than other times, and 
And today specifically, Father, as you've brought a a friend of mine here to, to give testimony to what you've done in his life, we just pray that you're glorified in all of it and that we're we're changed, that we're better because of the hearing of it. So, Father, we just, um, we love you. We commit this time to you. Work in our hearts. And it's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I need everybody in the room to close your eyes. Children, youth, adults. I think so often we come to God's Word and we don't have the right attitude towards it. I think that, that so often we just kind of get in that habit. We come to church and uh, and preacher preaches and we go home and, and nothing really changes. So this morning I, I felt led to kind of get us uh, in the mood. So I need you to imagine with me for a minute that in the the paper last week that you read of some holy man going around healing people of all their their sicknesses and problems. I need you to imagine that you've been been getting phone calls and text messages and and Facebook messages and whatever other kind of messages you receive from people all over this part of the the country saying that they have, have seen this holy man performing all kinds of miraculous acts and then that he was challenging them, that he had challenged them to, to repent of their sins, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I need us to imagine that this morning he shows up with, with thousands of people following him down the road, and, and he walks into this building and begins sharing the same things with us. I need you to to picture people all around us just crowding in, just just literally urging us to listen, to pay attention. The things that he says are true. They have seen them. Now I need you to open your eyes. In Matthew chapter 4... Beginning in verse 23, it says this. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Caesarea, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Capolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Folks, we read these words and so often I think they're just words to us. We don't don't see Jesus in the midst of these words. We don't think about the fact that this really happened and that now our hearing of it, God wants to do the same things here that He did then. So I need to summarize this sermon that we have been preaching through for the last month or so. Because you see, as we go to this this golden rule, as it's 
become called. It's a summary of everything that we've looked at. So we need to feel the weight of all of the things that he has said brought into one moment in order for this this one verse to accomplish the purpose that God had for it to accomplish. So bear with me, folks. I'm I'm just going to begin reading, just, just pulling out pieces of this sermon. And pay attention to the things that God is, is commanding through His Son, Jesus. Beginning in Matthew chapter 5, He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who, who persecute you. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. Now let's think for just a second. Are these things that we see as blessings in this life? Exactly. God's called us blessed for these things. Let's continue. Now, these people who are blessed because because they are poor, because they mourn, they're meek, they're, they're hungry... He says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others. Then Jesus says this. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. We see this kind of as the the, the real beginning of, of this message. Then he starts talking about specific life issues and how we're to react. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old. You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Talking about lust, he says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Talking about divorce. He says, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. He just keeps jabbing harder and harder things that just don't come natural to us. He talks about oaths. He says, again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all. Talking about retaliation. He says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Keeps getting harder. The next one, love your enemies. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's just not natural. Next, he talks about giving to the needy. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. When we do a good thing, we want somebody to notice, amen? Yes, I was going to say, am I the only one? I want a pat on the back when I do something good. 
Then he starts teaching us how to pray. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. In other words, don't stand up to pray in in order to get credit for yourself for your grand prayers. Then he talks about fasting. Again, just one more thing where he causes us to humble ourselves and, and commit our lives to him. And he says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Again, I want to be seen for my super spirituality. Look how great I am. I'm fasting and praying. Then he starts talking about the world and the things that we have. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures where at? In heaven. Now he starts talking about some of the more of life's problems saying not to be anxious. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, forcing us to trust him. Then he tells us not to judge. He says, judge not that that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. Heating us in a hard place, because when we gossip, when we talk about other people, It's just not good. And then last week we heard from Dr. Adams to ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. And now this week we get to the golden rule. And at this point he begins with the word so. And it's as if, okay, I've said all of these things, and, and now I'm going to sum it up for you. And the reason we had to go through all of that is to understand that all of that is encompassed in this. He says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And then it's amazing that right on the heels of that, he, he makes this statement. He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Folks, that brings me to the title of the message today. And I know that sounded like a whole sermon in itself. But folks, it was, just, it was all scripture, right? And the Bible says that that's going to be profitable for me. So if there's there's nothing else I can do for you this morning, I can show you what the Bible says. So, folks, as I took on the task, as I felt God leading me to... uh, Andrew, unlike Dr. Adams last week, he assigned him a text. He told me that I had to pick something in chapter 7, and I'll be honest, I did not want to preach this section because there is just so much here in this one verse. So I'm, I'm, I'm all over the Bible. I'm, I'm trying to pull in all of these parts so that we can understand fully what God intended for us to get here. And actually, in my daily reading, in our... Who, who's doing the, the five-by-five thing? Well, so you know that we've been in Luke. And about a week ago... I found myself in Luke chapter 6. 
And I'll be honest, I had forgotten that Jesus preached the same sermon basically again, but summarized a bunch of it. So, so God did me a favor and said, hey, why don't you preach it out of Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 36. So if, you, if you've got your Bibles handy, I'd appreciate it if you would turn there. And then you can stand with me as we read our actual text for today. Luke chapter 6, verse 27, it says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your, your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And here's our golden rule. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies... And do good and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. You may be seated. Folks, this morning, um, as God would have it, we have a little more than just His Word. Um, about, I don't know, a month and a half ago, um, a good friend of mine gave me a call, and anyway, he had been struggling with some things over the last couple of years, and anyway, God had done some amazing things in his, in his life and in this, his family's life, and he called me and, and just said simply, I've, I've got to share it. And it just so happened that we had already decided that, that I was going to be preaching today and, and preaching on the very thing that, that God had led him to, to go through. So um, I'm not going to preach this message um, like you would hear it preached if you were to, uh, to Google some, um, some of these amazing preachers out there that God is using. I, I'm just going to hit you with the, with the facts, and we're going to allow... Uh, a real-life testimony show that, that when God says it, He means it. Sometimes it's just hardcore. It's in your face. You don't want to do it because it's not natural. But I want you to see this morning that when we do, God shows up. God always does what He promises. Amen? So let's, let's just hit this square in the face. Again, those of you who like taking notes, this is the only one today. I have four questions. We're going to answer three of them pretty quick. So here we go. The first question is this. Who is talking and why should we listen to them? My question to you is, if you have a red-letter Bible, what color are the letters? The red. Do we know what that means? 
It was, yes, I'll, you raise your hand so I'll let you say it, say it loud. Jesus is literally quoted in this text, okay? Every single word here is in red. Now, all of Scripture is inspired. It's, it's all from the Holy Spirit. It's all profitable. But when we see it in red, we know specifically who's speaking. So in verse, chapter, well, in, in verse 27, it simply says, But I say... Is that important for us to understand? The creator of the universe, the God that we are depending on to save us, the one that sent his son to die in our place in order that we may have life and life abundant, in order that we may have eternal life, is the one that's speaking to us. So we need to, we need to listen and and I'm putting emphasis on these things, folks, because I think so often we just get in a rut and we come to church and, okay, we're going to hear a sermon, but, but God wants to speak to us. And that's why he put those in there. But I say. Next question. Who is he talking to? To you who hear. Or if you have a New Living Translation in your lap, I, I like it. It says, but to you who are listening, did you come expecting that God was going to do something in your life today? I hope so. Because he's speaking some, some just some hardcore things, but when we, when we trust him and we we learn what they say and then we do them, we get to see God do amazing things in our lives and in the, in the lives of our families and those that he brings into, a, brings into us. Question number three. You're thinking he's going to get done in a hurry. He's done two points in about a minute and a half. Got one chuckle out of that. And since you didn't laugh, I'll... I got about another hour's worth, so. (laughs) Question number three, here's, as we hear it said all the time, here's where the rubber meets the road. What are those who are listening told to do? I love these verses simply because there's, there's no gray area. There's, there's no place where I have to go and, okay, what does that word mean? Or how do I, you know, it's just plain. He begins by saying, love your enemies. What do you think about that? Yeah. Do you have any enemies in your life right now? Well, I know we've all got one common enemy, right? What's his name? Satan, the devil, whatever, the guy with the pitchfork and the forked tail, whatever. But we've got enemies in our life. We've got people that we don't like. Next, he says, do good to those who hate you. So now, not only am I not to hate, but I'm to love my enemies. I'm to do good to those who hate me. Is that natural? It's not natural for any of us. 
If we get our way, what do we do when somebody does something to me? Yeah, that's it. That's it, Cody. We want to fight, right? And we feel justified in that fighting because somebody hurt me. Amen? I know I'm not alone in this, so you got to come along with me. Next, he says, bless those who curse you. You're walking down the aisle in a grocery store, and somebody on the other aisle is talking about you to somebody else, calling you a low life, who knows what else, and using not very nice words. What do you want to do? Bless them? No, that's not exactly how I'd describe it. That's not what I want to do. Next, he says, pray for those who abuse you. Now, folks, that, I mean, of course, all of these are just, they're just big things. They're they're big boulders that are in all of our lives, and we're trying to navigate life around them. but, But those who abuse us, I mean, that could mean all kinds of things. That could be your employer who's just taking advantage of you puts you on a, on a meager salary and making you work 100 hours a week. Or that could be in your home. It could be between a husband and a wife. I mean, just horrible things here. And it, and it doesn't say here you have to, have to stay in that situation. It does say you have to pray for them. Turn the other cheek. Paraphrasing verse 29. And we like to take those kind of verses and say, well, he really didn't mean if somebody hits me in the jaw, I'm supposed to turn the other cheek and say, all right, you can hit me on this side too. He didn't really say that, did he? He didn't say anything else, so what am I supposed to believe? Is that easy? Is it natural? Now, we start squirming in our seats, specifically men, when we start getting to places like that. And granted, we could preach five or six more sermons on what that really means. Give to everyone who begs from you. From the one who steals your stuff, don't demand it back. And then he finishes in verse 31, And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Folks, there is one thing, one point that I want you to understand today. is the fact that we feel the way we feel when we hear these statements for a reason. God is trying to communicate to each of us that you were not born to do these things. You were, you were, not, you were not born for this to naturally be who you are. The only way that we can become a person who does these things is by becoming a person who truly surrenders their life to Jesus. Because, you see, he didn't put us here to blend in. We would like to think that he did. 
because it is hard. Let's just face it. It sucks to have to go out into the community and be this person. But this is who God wants us to be because guess what? When you stand up and you act like that, do people notice? Do you get opportunities to witness for the reason that you are the way you are? And specifically those of us who were that other person. Once he saves us, this is the path that we're set on. And guess what? None of us like it. We all fail. And I don't want you to hear this message today as one that's, that's just beating you down because we all fail at all of these, but we're all in process. Is any of this making sense? The purpose of this is to show us that we cannot live this life apart from Jesus Christ. It's not possible. He does not want us to see our sin. He wants us to see his son. And that he died for a reason. But we live as if that really is cool, it's nice. You know, I'm going to heaven, amen? But the rest of that stuff, oh, man, that's just for those super Christians. It's not. It's for all of us. So real quick, before my, my brother comes up and, uh, and testifies to what God's done in, in his life, as he's been put in, in positions to where he's been forced to obey these things, I want us to hear real quick the reason why we have this so distorted. You see, when we look to this golden rule, here's how it sounds in every other religion on this planet. And I know some of these you're not going to recognize, but it it, it just doesn't matter. In the Talmud, it, it puts it this way. What is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. Confucius say, do not do to others what you do not want done to yourself. Brahmanism says, do not unto others which would cause you pain if done to you. Buddhism puts it this way, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. Do you see the difference? The difference, guys, is the fact that Jesus took it and flipped it. Buddhism, Islam, all of these religions, they put it in a way to where all I have to do is not retaliate. If somebody does something mean to me, my job is simply just not to do it back to them. Now, we kind of like that. That, That's kind of hard sometimes, but we kind of like that because I can stay in my own little world. I don't have to be proactive. I don't have to show any initiative of showing God's love to this world. Jesus puts it this way. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. My question for you this morning is somebody shared the gospel with you. If you claim to be a Christian, born again, believer in Jesus Christ, if your life has been transformed... Somebody had to come to you and share that message with you, right? Proactive, right? Are you glad that happened? 
And that's just one example, guys. We see somebody else being abused. We see somebody else in a conversation with somebody trying to share their faith, and they're being mocked. What should I do? Walk away? Somebody's having trouble. And again, this is just common everyday stuff. You see somebody on the side of the road needing help, and you can help. What does it say? What does it say? Do unto them as you would have somebody to do for you. You're stuck on the side of the road. Somebody's passing by. Do you want somebody to stop and help? Yes. Folks, this is the one thing that that we have to get from this verse is the fact that it's not just this, this negative thing that I don't treat other people bad, okay, when they treat me bad. It's no, I'm to be proactive in all of these things. That's why he uses this verse to sum all of this stuff up. Because as I love my enemies, that's ultimately what they want, right? We are made wanting to be loved. Now, some of us just don't know how to do it, and we do the opposite. We're all made wanting others. Even though I'm acting like I hate you, do I really want you to hate me back? If I'm really honest, is that what I want? Come on, these things are natural. Now as we've flipped it on its side, we get it. I don't. I want people to bless me even though I've messed up and cursed them. I've gossiped when I shouldn't have and they overheard it. That's what I want. I want people to pray for me whenever it's seen that I, I did something that maybe abused them in some way. I want people to turn the other cheek. I want people to give when I have a need. Now, granted, I'm hoping I'm not going to go steal your stuff, but if I do, I'm going to be happy when you don't demand it back. So does it, do we understand what Jesus is telling us now? By following this, we fulfill all the rest of them. When we're proactive in doing good, proactive in helping others, But the honest-to-gosh truth this morning is is that it is the hardest thing in life for us to do. So this morning, rather than me rambling on, I want you to hear from somebody who's been through some really difficult things, obeyed God when he just flat didn't want to, but he did it, and God's been honored, and, and he's experiencing blessing now because of it. So... Brother Greg, and I need you to see that this, this guy this morning was the first time at the early service that he's done this. Like I said, he called me. I didn't call him. He's seen what God's done, and he just he knows that other people need to hear that, that if you really do it, it'll really happen. He's no polished speaker, but it, it's amazing what God does when we obey. So let me pray for him again. Father, we thank you so much for giving us the courage that we need to do the things that you call us to do. Father, we don't have to lean on our own understanding. We just have to trust you. So, Lord, right now I pray that, uh, that you calm his nerves, that you, uh, 
You just you, you give his thoughts clarity. Help him to speak clearly, Father. And again, open, open our ears and our hearts and our minds that we might receive what you would say through him. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Are we on? Okay. Well, as you can see, I don't have the same problem he has with his hair. That's, that's, let's just get that out in the open. <laughs> Up until this morning, I've never done this. I'm no different than you all. I just go to church. I do my thing. I listen. Go home. But I was sitting in church about six weeks ago, and uh, God said, call Brother Kent, and you need to go tell your story. And I said, no, I don't. And he said, yes, you do. And I waited till like Wednesday, and I called him, and I said, I can't deal with it no longer. I got to come and speak. And uh, it is very difficult to do. You're nervous. You don't really know what to say. So I just asked the Lord again, take control, and I think you'll get something out of it. Because my life, I've had some good moments and I've had some rough moments. And everything you've heard this morning that he said, I've had to live through. And I'm here to tell you, it's not easy, but it's worth every bit of it. Because the outcome is great. And I don't want you to, to, to make a, a judgment call on the things that I've done until the end of it. After I get done with everything, then you'll get an understanding of, of the things I've had to go through. And especially you young people. I just, this church is amazing to have. You got music that's out of this world because a lot of places don't have that right now. And your young people, it's, it's exciting to see you all in here. Well, I'll get started. I'm, uh, my name's Greg James. I'm a husband, uh, a father. I got three kids of my own. I got a stepson. And uh, I own a construction company, pretty successful, travel a lot, done a lot of things, been very fortunate, meet a lot of good people. I met Brother Ken about eight years ago. I was in one of his churches, got to know him, become good friends with him, and then he's one of my best friends. He's one of the people that I turn to when I need to make a decision. And the reason I turn to him is because he doesn't give me the answers that I want. He gives me the suggestions that I need. And every one of us, that's the biggest target that I can tell you today that you need. Because every one of us individually, families, we're going to be faced with issues that we can't tackle on our own. And I'm going to show you that. So, uh, as a young age, I went to church no different than you young people. I'm in youth. I'm active. It was, uh, it was awesome. And that was my roots. And that's what really got me connected with God. And I was telling a story during In Between Services upstairs. Just one occasion, when I was about eight years old, I was in the back of my dad's truck by myself. And he had a camper over the top of the truck. And uh, we were on our way to the store. And it, that was the closest time in my life I've ever been with God. I mean, whew, <laughs> that's tough. It's giving me, 
getting me choked up talking about it. It was, uh, it was a connection like I would hope all you all could have. He was present. And I'm praising him and don't even know why. I'm by myself. What, what am I doing this for? And I, look, I say that because I look back at that as I get older. And every time I run into a, a, an issue, I think back of that time. And you young people, you're going to use what you're bringing now later in life. And you're thinking, well, this guy don't know what he's talking about. You will one day. You'll remember today because you're going to use what you're learning. Your teachers, your pastor, the people in the church are going to use it and hold on to that, cherish it. Well, I was married straight out of high school, got married, had the opportunity to go to college and... Uh, Spent a couple years in college and got an associate's degree in engineering and got out because my dad owned a family business and he wanted me to develop to take the business over and I did. And uh, things were good. As a matter of fact, they were real good. Making a lot of money. Making more money than I could spend. Didn't know what to do. Thinking, man, I've got this targeted right where I need to be. Great wife. She wanted to have kids. So we had kids. We had two. Dalton and Justin. He's 17 today, and Justin's 13. And uh, I was young. Got blessed with a lot of stuff. And I didn't give my wife what really she needed was me. I'm giving her myself some time. I'm, I'm into everything. I'm working crazy hours. Um, on the Supercross, I don't know if you know what that is, motorcycles. I'm on the Supercross tour, riding all over the country, fishing bass tournaments, fishing this, doing that. I mean, just, it's all about me. And that's hard to say, standing up here in front of a group of people. But it was. It was about me. I was, I mean, I love my kids to death. I gave them the time that I could. I gave her the time that I could, but I didn't give them what they needed. But I wouldn't, I just wasn't grown up. And uh, it created a lot, of, a lot of issues between us. We really didn't argue. It was just she had grown apart from me and I had grown apart from her. And just cut to the chase on that, she, uh, she told me one day, I was on a trip again. She told me one day on the phone, she said, Greg, she said, I don't love you, nor have I ever loved you. Wow. That's, uh, as men, when somebody tells you they don't love you and you've tried to provide for them, you've tried, you think your best, but you really don't know if it was your best, that is difficult. So I took that one on the chin, went home, thought things were going to be okay. A couple weeks later, she moved all my stuff out. She drained all the bank accounts. And I mean, I thought I had the world. Had everything paid for, had no bills, and had all kinds of money. And it's gone. Now I'm with nothing. Instantly. I had to go live with my mom and dad at the age of 32. And that's difficult to do too, because then you've got to suck your pride up. 
And at that point, I probably thought, it can't get any worse. I mean, this is as bad as it's going to get. And I was badly mistaken. Um, now I'm divorced. I built a new house, moved to a different community, uh, continued on, doing pretty good at business. And I seen a, a, a major change in my ex-wife with the kids. So now she's not keeping the kids at all. And that was completely out of the ordinary. So now I'm, I'm being daddy full time. There is no time for, for Greg with anything. It's all kids. So that continued on for about a year. I was doing everything. She didn't have much involvement at all with them. And I couldn't understand why. So we continued down that path and I started dating, you know, seeing some different people and just nothing meant anything to me. And a gentleman that worked for me, we'd become real good friends. Uh, he said, he introduced me to his daughter. He said, why don't you take my daughter out? I thought, I can do that. She was good looking. I thought, I can do that. And uh, I didn't take the time. This is what I challenge you young people. I did not take the time to learn about their family. I did not take the time to learn about her, her backgrounds, her wants, her desires, what she likes, what she dislikes. And I say that because this is when a decision was made that it really got bad from this point forward. Everything before wasn't so bad. Now it gets bad. So we continued to date, and I actually let her move in with me. And this guy, he just completely destroyed every thought that I had about that. Because here I am, a Christian man, living with another lady, and I've got my kids all the time. He said, Greg, marriage is what that's about. You, you're doing the wrong thing. So one thing led to another, and, and we got married. And I still I didn't know who I was marrying. We were good friends. We were just having fun. Everything was great. She was younger. I thought everything was going to be fine. And she had a child. And uh, he was only six months old when we got together. So here I am raising her child, raising my kids. And uh, I thought things were going to be okay at that point in time. So we had sold her house, and we had moved to a different community. And uh, I started seeing a difference in her. I didn't really know what it was, but I started seeing a difference. And uh, a couple times I started seeing pill bottles laying around. I was thinking, I, and here I come from a, a family that didn't know anything about prescription drugs or anything else other than in high school I knew kids that smoked weed and that kind of stuff, but nothing else. I just, I was blinded to it. <coughs> We've been married about three months and her dad committed suicide and that threw her into such a whirlwind that I can't even begin to tell you nor will we have time to tell you but uh, 
I started seeing a completely different person. And uh, I come to find out that her dad had actually got her hooked, an addict, as of nine years old on prescription pain medicine. And this was so severe that she was, it was an overdose after an overdose after an overdose, and this was just a repetitive thing. So as that was bad enough, I sent her to rehab, uh, thinking that's going to cure all. And people that are on that, they are the best manipulators on the planet. Understand that. They are. And you're going to have, people in here know about it. Everywhere you go, they know about it. So you've got, I got my mom and dad. I got the people in the community that look up to me. I got people that work with me. And everybody's telling me, Greg, you need to get rid of her. You know, she's just going to do nothing but cause you problems. And I said, eh, I'm not going to do that. You know, maybe I'm meant to be with her to help her, which I'm still ignorant to the fact I don't know anything about it. So uh, she wanted to have a child. And uh, I said, well, that's, that's not going to happen. I've got two kids, and I actually had a vasectomy to keep me from doing that. And she said, well, there's doctors out there that can take care of that. And I said, well, that's not something we're going to do. But I give in. We went and had the procedure done, and we had a, a child, a little son. He's uh, four years old now. He is amazing. And uh, after he come along, I seen a difference in myself that I had never seen before. Because now I've not only got to deal with her problems, now I've got to deal with the problems of my ex-wife not wanting the kids. So I've got the kids from a previous marriage that I'm keeping full-time. She didn't have any involvement in them. And I've got these drug-related issues. So this continued. This was a pattern that just kept going on and on. I sent her to rehab. She comes back thinking things are going to be fine, and they weren't. This continues on and on and on and on. And uh, I had caught her for the last time, and I said, I've got to put a stop to this. And she had just completely gone through money like you couldn't believe, stealing from the kids, stealing from my mom and dad, her mom. I mean, people in the community, just anything she could do to get a fix. And uh, I told her, I said, you're going to have to move out. I said, I can't do this. Number one, I don't want anything to do with drugs. I don't want my kids around drugs. I, I'm just, I'm sick of it. I'm done with you. Move in with your mom. And uh, she moved in with her mom. And for about two weeks, I was limited on conversation. I just didn't want to talk to her. But I didn't do anything drastic. People's telling me, divorce her, Greg, divorce her, divorce her. And I didn't. Uh, I just couldn't find myself to do that. So we had started talking again. She was still living with her mom. And, but we had started to try to build that relationship back. And uh, one night, I was over there, and it was right at dark, and she said, uh, you're going to have to take the kids home with you tonight because uh, I just let her keep them a small amount of time because I just didn't trust her. And uh, she said, you're going to have to take the kids home. And I said, okay, that's not a problem. So I took the kids home, 
and we had had a little bit of an argument before I left, and I just didn't feel right about the way I'd left that situation. About midnight that night, I just, it just come over me, Greg, you've got to go talk to her. So I went and got my oldest son out of bed, and I told him, I said, son, you're going to have to, you're going to have to watch out for the little guys. I said, I've got to go talk to Cassie. I said, uh, I can't sleep. I've got to resolve this. He said, all right, Dad, I'll take care of it. So I went. It's only like 15 miles to her mom's house. I went to her mom's house, and she's not there. And it is raining so hard you can't see. And I thought, where is she at? You know, I just completely blinded. So I'm driving back home, and uh, I had heard rumors of her seeing other people, but I didn't know, you know, completely, I didn't know anything. And, I'm, and, and just instantly, something come to my mind, Greg, you need to go to this guy's house. And I'd only been there one time. And uh, I drove over there. And drove up, didn't see anything, no lights on, nobody was there. And I just happened to look in between a building, and there sits her car. And my life completely fell apart. There was an anger that come over me that uh, I can't even begin to tell you. And this is when God's telling me to turn the other cheek when somebody's hitting you or forgive somebody. And I'm thinking, I'm going to forgive somebody. When I find this guy, I'm going to destroy him. Because I'm a man's man. I'm no different than you guys. I'm thinking, I'm not going to deal with this. I'll show you how I'm going to deal with this. And uh, I went home, because obviously they weren't there. I go home, and the next morning I finally get a hold of her. And she's trying to explain this and explain that, and which there's no explaining. I, every one of you understand what went on. So uh, there was about three days went by that I didn't sleep, I couldn't eat. I was completely in a different world. You know, I would hope nobody would have to go through that. And I went ahead and I went to an attorney. I started filling out divorce papers. Got it all done, got it all planned, because she wasn't going to be able to see the kids anyway. She's an addict. I've got it set up to where she is done. And uh, I couldn't sign it. And I didn't know why. Here I am with so much rage, and I couldn't sign the paperwork. And this continues for probably a month. And I kept asking the Lord every single minute of the day, Lord, give me the answer why I can't divorce this lady. Because that's what I want to do. I don't want to be with her. I called Brother Ken. And he knows everything that happened in detail. We don't have to get into all that. And I told him, I said, I need confirmation so I can get rid of this lady. I don't want nothing to do with her. He said, Greg, I can't do that. He said, you got all the right in the world by your eyes your thoughts. But he said, I can't tell you to do that. You married her for good or bad. I said, you're right. I did. 
And we had talked several times over the next month. And I allowed her to come back home. And uh, man, I thought this is going to get better. I'm going to be able to deal with it. And we even took a trip. We went to Hawaii. Took all the kids. We went to Hawaii for about 10 days. And, uh, and it was good. We had a good time. Got back home, and something hit me again, and it was just outrage. I couldn't deal with it. Every second of the day, it was just going through my mind of what happened. And uh, I really don't even, I can't even sit here and tell you or make sense of why things happened the way that they did. But what actually took place was God told me, Greg, you married her. You're going to have to forget about what people think about you. Don't listen to anybody. Don't worry about what your mom and dad are telling you. Don't worry about what your workers are telling you. Don't worry about what the community's telling you. I'm telling you, be there for her. I said, all right. If that's what you want, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, that willingness to accept what took place with the drugs, with everything, God took everything and turned it around to the point that you cannot even begin to imagine. So we get her back into a clinic, and they put her on some medication that still is a narcotic, but it helps to, to get away from the prescription drugs. And this girl had a major problem. She's dealing. She's doing this. She's doing that. It's horrible. And our little son, at three years old, got into that medication, and uh, he overdosed on it and almost killed him. He spent 10 days in Cosairs in Louisville, and he was right on the verge. And they're telling us, you know, he's... He's probably not going to make it. And then I had another reaction to where I was so outraged and was holding that against her that, I mean, I had thoughts going through my mind that would, it's embarrassing. But, uh, but God even <coughs> overcome that because I didn't react on outrage. That's the ticket. I didn't react to the outrage. I allowed God to continue to talk to me. Even though I didn't want him to, he continued to talk to me. And uh, to sum it all up, today, the, the person that I married was so different than it is today. She is the one at bedtime. She's telling the kids, let's go pray together. Before we eat, anytime, she, let's pray together. She's the one that's making me feel a little bit guilty of, being the better person that I just can't imagine the change, the transformation, you know, the complete willingness to, to help others. You know, now she's helping addicts to get their life straight. And to see the difference in the way that God will work through even myself with what I had to go through. And I still have difficulty at times because Satan, he wants to just pick and pick and pick. 
And I'll, and I'll just say, you know what, God, you've got to make this go away because this isn't getting any easier. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to get him off of me. And, and he always answers that prayer because, and I call it connection, because I've built a connection with God. I didn't want to be here today. I didn't want to tell you guys this. But God asked me to, and because he took care of my life and changed it around, he took care of my family. Now I have my kids. I have my wife. People, people view me differently. They come up to me and they say, Greg, I don't know how you've done it, but man, I respect you for that. My mom and dad said, you know, we're blessed to have you because you've showed us a different way than we ever thought. It's so easy to condemn people that are doing wrong. We view them. I'd have done the same thing. I didn't want anything to do with them. They're doing wrong. I just let them do wrong. I don't want any part of it. But you know that's not the right thing to do. As long as we've got air in us and we're alive, the willingness is internal. We can make a change. If anybody in here at all is having issues with anything, God can change any situation no matter how bad it is because it doesn't get any worse or harder on a man than what I went through. And God took care of that. He can take care of anything. It's just the willingness to accept it. God loves us. He's going to love us as long as we're here. And for the first time in my life, I experienced what I call complete joy because I fear nothing. If death comes on me today, I, I actually, as, as hard as it is to say, I, I look forward to the time that I'm going to be able to see Christ. And it, whenever it is, it is. It's because Satan will never beat me down on this earth again because I've got God. I've got him every day whenever I want him. So, yeah, Satan can attack my health. He can probably attack me in every way, but he's not going to win. So, just take that message, the straight and narrow. It's a it's a tight gate to get into. And we got to fight. We got to do our best. And when God speaks to us, do it. Question number four, what happens if we do it? What happens if we actually trust God and we actually do what he tells us to do? He tells us to love people that we don't want to love. He tells us to pray for people we don't want to pray for. He tells us to stay in relationships that we don't want to stay in. What happens if we do it? We find in that place a power that we can't find anywhere else. 
God throughout His Word teaches us that we are going to go through hard times. This book describes a war that we join the moment that we accept Jesus as our, uh, as our Lord and Savior. John 16, 33, Jesus said, In this life you're, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome it. Not that you can overcome it, He has overcome it. He continues in James. He says things that just, again, they don't even make sense. He tells us to consider ourselves blessed when we face trials of many kinds. For through them, as we trust God, He shows up time and time again. And, and we build what I call a track record with God. We, we, we trust Him in things, and He shows up and He does what He says He'll do. And, and we trust Him more. So what happens if we do it? We become the witnesses that God made us to be. Our families become witnesses to a world who needs to see the truth in action. And then finally, we bring glory to God by living this life the way He's commanded us to live it. Folks, I know that there are, again, in a group this size, there are people dealing with, uh, with just multiple things, just lists and lists and lists. If we were able to sit down and everybody was able to discuss their, their thing this morning. But the key is, is that you have a God before you who loves you, who's commanded you to do some things in your life. And, and we say, I give to all of them because we can't do them. And it's simply because these things are put here to show us that we need a Savior. So there's only two kinds of people sitting here right now. And there's ultimately, there's only two decisions. There's only two different ways that we can go. The two different people are the ones who have believed and, and who have truly accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and can honestly look at their life and see how God has changed them. And we have those who haven't. And if you're here this morning and you haven't, we consider it a blessing that you're here. We hope that you've heard this message of, of hope that, yes, God requires some things of us, but he's not, he's not expecting us to do them. He's, he's saying, I will do them through you. You just trust me. So the first thing that we have to do is we have to trust that he, that he truly did what he said he did. He did die on the cross for us. That really happened. And he did do it for you. He shed his blood in order that you didn't have to shed yours. And all you have to do is believe and accept it. And then, as, as Greg has said, then you've got to commit. You've got to surrender your life to him. Now, for the rest of us, we hear this message. We hear these words, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, all of these things. And we, we've got it going on in our lives. But how are we reacting? And obviously this has been a, a family series that we've been going through. How would our families change if we began obeying these things?
That's only for you to answer. You've heard the word this morning. So I'll close literally with these verses in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. Paul said this. He said, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You see, folks, the story we heard this morning, that's what was going on. Working out his salvation was fear and trembling. He was placed in situations to where it's either me go my way or go God's way. Now, granted, it's kind of like a rubber band. We go as far as we can away, and then finally God just yanks us back. We work out that salvation. We own it, but yet we have to grow in it. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Did you hear that this morning? For it is God who works in you. Find hope in that, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. And then it says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now he just talks about easy stuff, right? That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see, this is what God wants. This is the purpose. He wants to use you as that light for those that are not there yet. Holding fast to the Word. You can't do it without this. If you're trying to live this life, if you're trying to obey these things and you're not in the Word, if you're not living in a relationship with Jesus Christ, let me tell you, you're going to fail. You have no chance of success. But with it, all things are possible. Without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Let's pray. Father, I just, um, I know that our time has gone long today and I know that there are those in this place right now that are, uh, that are anxious. They've got places that they maybe needed to have already been at. But, Father, you had a purpose. You had a plan for this day. You're in control, and, and we're here because you want us here. And, Father, I know that there are some here, maybe many today, who need to, to do business with you, Father. They need to come to you. They need to, to seek what they need in order to, to deal with the enemies in their life, to deal with those that are cursing them, abusing them. And, Father, I, I pray in answer to our prayer, I pray that there are some here today that this is the first time that they've, they've not only heard the word, but, but heard testimony of how you honor obedience. And for the first time, maybe the gospel makes sense to them. So I pray that, that, that in this time that they, would, uh, that they would see. And, Father, um, we just we want to honor you. We want to glorify you in this life. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.
Now, folks, the conclusion today is, is a little different. There's no band. Literally, they were all at camp. They were all over the place, and they all had to leave. So they're not even here. So there's no music going to be playing unless these guys can figure out something back there and just get something playing. Um, I'm going to be standing up here. Again, these chairs with these black blankets on them are there for a reason, for you to do business with God. And, and so for those who, who feel a need to, to do that business, you come. I'm here. Um, for everybody else, you're dismissed.